Hi, welcome to BCI Cattle Chat. I'm Brad White. Happy to have you with us and happy to have our crew here today for our year-end show. Good morning, Dustin. Good morning. Philip. Hello, guys. Bob. Good morning, everybody. We usually do a lot of prep and planning, but for today, we're going to do a little reflecting and we're going to have a different format because we're going to talk through and talk through some of the things that happened this last year including some ideas on what data we might want to collect going into next year for the cow-calf operation, but also some of our production year-end resolutions. So glad to have you guys here today. And before we get into those topics, I want to talk a little bit about New Year's Day and traditions or maybe other food traditions. So at my house when I was a kid, growing up on New Year's Day, we would have ham, cooked cabbage, and black-eyed peas. And the black-eyed peas weren't bad, but the rest of it was not Not my favorite. favorite. So I want to know the food tradition that you guys could do without. Whatever holiday, it doesn't have to be Christmas or New Year's, but what food is always on the table that you would take off? Well... And this one, don't tell my relatives. I know that I, I had a little hesitancy yeah. saying my story because who who knows? That's... Yeah, because you know I've got kind of a Norwegian background, and so we do the lutefisk thing over Christmas. And now you're going to have to describe what lutefisk well, is. You, you just take cod and you put it in a bucket of lye on the back porch until it's kind of jello, and then you eat it and you act like you enjoy it with all your relatives. <laughs> So it's, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the perfect answer. That's what I'm looking for is the thing that you eat and you go, oh, this is great. We should have it again next year. Yeah, next year at this time. <laughs> go ahead. I don't, you know, I don't know. I can't think of one. I mean, I'm, I am not that picky of an eater. I I like pretty much all kinds of food. I'll bring you some lutefisk. Except that one. I think that one I could do without <laughs> based on the sound of it. Um, I guess we lived in the South for a while. And maybe you want, it's not really a holiday thing, but I, I can't do grits. That's just, no, not my thing. I've tried grits multiple times to the Mm -hmm. same results. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I have anything either. I mean, for all our main holidays, everything we generally cooked, I like. So if we didn't like it, we didn't cook it. Yeah. Yeah, but you're you're also an adventurer. Because weren't you, didn't you one time come in and be like, hey, did you guys know the local restaurant here in town has tongue on the menu? Wasn't that what you had one time? Like, I'm. For breakfast pizza yeah and i went home and tried it and made my own little tongue Sandwich tacos yeah, and uh, everybody really liked it uh, yeah. so so you told them it was tongue <laughs> no actually i told them that they all were aware in fact they were going back for seconds because they liked it so i was pretty happy with that <laughs> no there's a lot of food i don't i am kind of a picky eater but we just don't cook but you don't want to share it with, the, <laughs> we don't with everyone else yeah. <laughs> no, no i just yeah Excellent. Well, 2023, as we went through, we had, I want to talk a little bit about how much we've enjoyed having guests on the program. So we had over 15 guests on the, on the program this year. We talked to lots of different people from different areas and, and highlighting, we had the, the guys from cross country genetics that came on. We had some folks that came on from all tech. We had some folks that came on from NCBA, uh, also the Kansas beef council, Several good people to interact with. I want to ask you guys, what were some of your favorite interactions with some of the guests or what were some of the things you learned from some of the people we had on? Well, you know, my interest is, is a lot of times focused on reproduction. So I really enjoyed the, the conversations with the cross-country genetics crew looking at kind of some advanced reproductive technologies. You know, I, a lot of times I'm talking about using artificial insemination and 
breeding soundness exams of bulls and those types of things. But uh, that group is involved in some uh, additional things, embryo transfer, in vitro fertilization. And, you know, that's still somewhat of a niche in the beef industry, but it's it's an interesting technology that probably will will continue to expand and not contract. I don't know. That's a tough question. But, I mean, I think some of the conversations we had with the Alltech folks on nutrition and stuff like that were interesting. And it's kind of fun, too. So one of the guests we had on was uh, Dr. Shelby Roberts, who's a former student uh, of mine. So that's kind of fun to to visit with them and, and to see where they are in their career and that kind of stuff. So, so that was that was. That was pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, my memory is so short that I can remember about the last month. So, I mean, we have brought Bob Weber on quite a few times. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't count as a guest, really. <laughs> well, he, he helped start this. They, well, and that's the other thing that happened this year is we had our anniversary for five years ago, but Bob was a regular. Right, so that was one thing I was going to bring up eventually during this is that five years. I mean, we, you know, there's a couple of us still here that started that and things have changed a lot in those five years as we noted back on that podcast it's been kind of fun to see the growth of that uh, over the time it, ha- it has been and we appreciate you listening one of the things that will happen as we get into later this winter early spring we're looking to send out a, a listener survey because we want to know which are the more interesting areas that you find in the podcast one of, one of the thing a couple things we've added this year one dustin we've added your questions We've tried to incorporate listener questions. We always enjoy those listener questions. That's one of my favorite parts as we go through. We've also added a few other topic areas, but if you have something specific, certainly reach out to us on some of those topics that you'd like to hear from. So speaking of top, uh, speaking of topics, I, I wanted to ask you guys, there's a couple things that we hit several times, including we talked about marketing a fair bit, Dustin, which makes sense. We hit nutrition. Bob, you mentioned repro, but we also talked a little bit about calf health, young calf health. Anything there that sticks out to you as as take-homes from those or other topics that we discussed? Well, one of the, I guess, teaching things that I try to emphasize to the students a lot of times is, is do the basics well. And so when we talk about calf health, it's about uh, a good environment, good nutrition, just giving those calves a good place to start. So, you know, the Sandhills calving system, we talk about that as a way to reduce the risk of scours, just good nutrition of the cows, make sure that they calve in good body condition, that they're on an, a ration with the energy, protein, minerals, and vitamins that they need. I mean, do the basics well, and a lot of details take care of themselves. The, the phrase that I heard this year that has stuck with me is no bad days. So you're, you're trying to avoid sickness and have to catch up or trying to avoid bad nutritional days and have to catch up. It's all about how do I maintain and move forward with no bad days. Yeah, I, I think that's a good goal. But then the other goal that kind of contrasts with that is, you know, there could be bad days. There could be severe winter storms. There could be frozen water. There could be things like that. So then the other maybe caveat to that is, is plan for the bad days. Be prepared. Have, you know, Know that your glass is going to be half empty. I hear where you're coming no, from. No, just know that you, if depending on where you are living, you know you know you live in an area where a, a severe winter storm could come in and, and it's going to be difficult to get water, difficult to get feed to cows. Better have a plan for that. So I agree with no bad days, but maybe the caveat is when you get a really bad day, you've got to be able to deal with it. Yeah, or, or what can I do to prep to make sure there are no bad days? Yeah, I like that. From the nutrition standpoint that how we talk we talk a lot about maintaining body condition score on cows throughout the whole production cycle and so you know that's that's a a good thing that we need to do but it it costs money to keep those cows in good condition and so 
we need to, th to think about how we're going to do that the most economical way that we can and, and not letting those cows lose body condition. It's, it's a lot easier, a lot cheaper to maintain body condition than it is to try to re gain body condition especially in certain certain times of the production cycle and so you know those are the the things that i remember a lot from the years we've talked about that a lot of just maintaining body condition score and that goes a long way to getting those cows to be as productive as they can be and dustin you talked about marketing in a couple and we all did in a couple different aspects one calves leaving the farm yes we've talked about that before but one of the things this year that you kind of emphasized was some of the potential niche marketing, marketing direct to consumers, smaller packing plants, smaller operations. I know you went out and toured some of those this year. Maybe give us an update. Where, where is the progress on that? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, all this started, you know, goes back to COVID, co or COVID, COVID. It goes back to COVID, uh, right, when we, people started wanting to source local and, and some of that. And you had that increase in demand for some of the smaller products coming from the smaller locker plants. And I still think there's some demand there. I think, though, over time, as we've kind of got back to normal, if you will, I think people will go back to the grocery stores. Although I, I, I still think there's a little more increased demand for some of those local, you know, local products from local locker, smaller locker plants. Okay. So, and I appreciate the reflection and you guys indulge me to reflect a little bit and I want to now turn the our look the other direction and prognosticate and this is what you guys love to do is speculate without a lot of information right so we can move or maybe that's me <laughs> but if we go for I want to say we talked a lot about drought last year we don't have any control over that the impact that that has had on the contracting cow herd and how it affects downstream in the beef industry as you guys look to 2024, 2025, look out into the future, what do you see as the biggest issues facing either the beef industry or you could break it down to a segment like feeders or cow-calf operations? What are some of the big things that you see just on the horizon I should be thinking about? Well, I think one thing that kind of encapsulates a lot of what you just said is what what is a good decision about how to bring uh, new replacement females, so replacement heifers or, you know, bred cows that I might purchase because they're really expensive right now. Historically, they're really expensive. The good thing is, you know, calf prices are up, but a cow or say a heifer that I bring onto the operation now, she's honestly not even going to reach her peak productivity for four or five years. And what are the prices going to be then? Well, I have no idea. And so there is a risk involved with bringing in high cost replacement heifers when their payout is over the next 10 to 12 years. And so how do I make wise decisions? And, and I, I don't have the answer to that other than we do need to replace heifers, but it's probably never been more risky. And so you need to really think through what you're doing. Am I hearing you right in that you're also at least implying, maybe outright saying, we've seen increases in costs over the last few years and you don't see the cost side of the equation maybe going down in the short term. No, I mean, if you think about some of the, the, the main costs, the pasture rent, feed, uh, fuel, I, I don't see those going down. Um, I hope calf prices uh, maintain a good high level, but, you know, there's a lot of, I mean, there's competition with other meat sources, there's international issues. 
those things are not as certain that they're going to stay high. I'm pretty sure yeah. prices are going to stay high. I'm not as certain that that calf prices are going See, to stay now high. Now you're kind of now you're kind of optimistic. I want really high calf prices, but I want low replacement heifer costs. Wouldn't Is that, that what be, you're saying? Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? And low input costs. <laughs> yeah. Low input and costs. Yeah. So, one, we yeah. did talk a lot about drought this year, and but I think. You know, we think about these replacements. One opportunity as a result is if we can bring in the genetics, because we're talking five, ten. I mean, this has a bit, we have a big opportunity to really change uh, a lot in the industry as we think about these replacement well, efforts. You think that, then I'm sure this is mostly true, is cows that get cold, uh, it's because they were open or they were not my best performers. So we've, I, I think even without a lot of planning, we've improved the genetics of the herd because we've preferentially culled the, the poorest producing. So we've probably taken some steps forward in efficiency and productivity of the cow herds, and we're going to want to maintain that going forward with you know, whatever benefits we can get from the, maybe a slightly more productive cow herd. We've got the smallest cows nationwide that we've had in a long time, or one of the smallest levels, and we're producing a very high quality of beef, depending on what metric you use to judge that. So I, I think there is some value in what you guys are saying relative to great, I, I like the way you put it, great opportunity for genetic improvement going forward. Philip, what do you what do you see in the next couple of years as, as opportunities? Well, I guess I was going to think, you mentioned, you know, what are big things that are going to be happening in the industry? And I think this sustainability issue or, or whatever you want to call it is, is going to become even more important over the next couple of years. You know, the um, U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef and, and the, the bigger beef industry has set goals for making um, strides to improve the sustainability of the beef industry overall. And so you know, they're working toward measure, marking those goals and, and measuring progress of those. Um, and so there, there's going to be a lot of push um, to, to what I'm looking for, um, to make progress, I guess, and to continue to make progress. And, and that push is coming from, uh, you know, retailers and other parts of the industry as well. And so I think there's going to be some big changes or big opportunities. Let me say changes, the big opportunities that are going to become available um, in the next two, three years in that area. So, so again, back to kind of what Bob said, you're preparing for what can come in the future. And one of the ways that we're going to do that is by records. One of the topics that I didn't mention that you guys hit on frequently is you say, man, you ought to measure it. Well, you, you ought to be able to record some of these things that happen on your operation and, and I've done similar in the past, but I want you, as we go through this year and we're going into next year, I want each of you to list four or five things that you would record that you want to make sure that I do a good job of keeping those records on my operation. Well, I'm going to lead with one of our guests this year was uh, Dr. Ted Schroeder from the Department of Ag Econ. And uh, I got to partner with him and some of his graduate students to kind of develop a a cow-calf record-keeping app with the idea being that it's it'll aid in the transfer of records to a buyer of feeder calves. And I think uh, finding a record-keeping system that works for you, so it's got to be relatively simple or a appropriate amount of complexity for your operation and for smaller operations and, and for people selling cattle at weaning, there's relatively few things they need to keep, but they need to keep birth dates. They need to keep when the cows got pregnant and a few things like that. 
So, so from that standpoint, you're saying it's not just the records you keep, but have a system that makes your life easier. Yeah. And did I mention the name of this record keeping system is CAFDEX? And so you can Google CAFDEX. It's available from any of your app suppliers. And it's something to at least look into as a starting point for some record keeping. C-A-L-F-D-E-X. Yeah. And, and so I'm old and it's kind of coming from the Rolodex type of an idea which people tell me not everybody even knows what a Rolodex is, but CAFDEX. Yeah, people, people don't know what a Rolodex <laughs> is. Okay, so, so you're saying it's about the system that you keep some of those records in. Philip, what are, what are some of the things, what are the areas you would focus on? Um, so, I mean, I think there's kind of, I'll say there's two levels to keeping data. One is a herd level data and just kind of be able to track your production over time and seeing that, you know, am I, am I holding steady? Am I getting better or are things kind of going downhill or, you know, whatever, and I can track and see where I'm at. And, and if I make a change, does that make an improvement? Um, but then one of the things that I always think about from when I think data is I think genetics. And so from that level, it's another level of data collection because you need it on individual animals. And so if I'm a operation that raises my own replacement heifers, particularly, then I, I would like to have that individual cow data to help me make decisions about which lines of cows I want to keep replacement heifers out of. Um, and so I need, you know, individual ID and maybe trying to get individual weaning weights on those calves instead of just a group weaning weight um, so that I can track back which cows are the most productive and which ones have been in the herd for a long time because now I know the age of my cows and so now I can start to select heifers out of those lines of cows that produce heavy calves and get rebred year after year after year. I, I think spot on and great concept you're, you're talking about there is one of the next frontiers is how do I get to the level where I can do things based on individuals and I'm not saying I'm going to individually manage them however I can sort them into relevant subgroups. So out of a specific sire, out of a specific line of cattle that are on my operation or a specific breed, how can I sort them better? And then even as we move down the chain, can I manage them different? Because then I can tailor what I'm doing to those individuals. Can't get there without individual data. Mm -hmm. Can't get individual data without having some sort of record-keeping system that I can put it in and manage. So I, I think you guys are kind of outlining what is coming up next those are some of the things that are coming next because now like you mentioned bob that system because before previous record systems what i do i'd write it on something then i'd have to go transfer it to the computer and i'm full of good intentions follow through sometimes is hard when you've got a scrap of paper floating around that i may not get entered but if i can enter it on my phone i have a higher chance of entering that data and getting that individual animal data you're talking about mm -hmm. And so along those in that line and thinking future, you know, that individual data can become very valuable if we can start to couple it with some of the new technologies like genetic testing of crossbred animals. And it's not just a purebred thing anymore. We can do genetic testing of crossbred animals and help to make better genetic decisions of retaining replacements out of crossbred herds. And so I think there's a huge opportunity there if, of keeping that type of data. Well, and planning for those crossbred bulls to come in or some of the EPDs, mm -hmm. some of that. Dustin, what about you? We're, we're, you're, the, you're our record guy. So what, what are you? So got? yeah, Bob brought up that the calf decks is what you said, uh, about a year ago. So in 2022, there was a nice 
fact sheet out of Oklahoma State that basically took a look at all the kind of cow-calf production management softwares, kind of the requirements, what they do, what they don't do, or collect. And so regardless if it's a, a paid software, a free software, it's on a computer, it's on a handheld wand, if it's an app or whatever it is, uh, I think the first thing is you just got to collect the data because you can't measure anything uh, without having that data. So that's, that's I guess, first thing I want to say. Uh, in terms of what to collect, you know, one of the largest expenses is a feed expense. And so, again, if you don't know how much you're feeding, it's kind of hard to to – try to reduce, if you're thinking about, especially in a drought situation, you're trying to figure out how you can cut costs. I mean, one of the largest expenses, as we noted, was the feed expense. But how do you, if you don't know how much you're feeding, it's kind of hard to, to cut some of those expenses. But so, I don't know, I'd say try to track the feed. And there's a lot of things that you, you probably collect. So if you take a load of calves, you know what the total, you can back out what that average price per per cap is. Uh, there's probably a lot of data you're collecting. You, maybe you don't know what you're collecting, but but there is. But again, you got to put it put it on paper or maybe electronic. So, so the record's important. Last thing I want to ask you guys as we wrap up 23 and think about going into 24, I'm going to ask you about work-related, maybe you wouldn't call it a New Year's resolution, but work-related things that you're going to try to do different next year. And I'll, st- I'll start with one of mine is I, there is so much information out there and coming out all the time is coming up with a way to consistently keep up on some of that new information, some of the new journal articles, some of the new research that comes out uh, by setting a schedule. So kind of combining some of the things we've talked about. What about you guys? Do you have anything you want to do different this next year? You know, something that has really come across my mind a couple of times in the last few weeks is I'm entering a phase of my life where I'm actually starting to learn if I, I would name the things that I learned this year that were, you know, light bulb type moments, um, for the first time in my life, or at least the first time that I've recognized it, those are coming from people much younger than me. And that's a real transition because I'm, I'm used to learning from people that are older and more experienced, and then I, then I was used to learning uh, from my peers. Uh, but now both of those groups are getting smaller and smaller, and now I'm finding myself learning from young veterinarians, uh, young beef producers, and it's it's hard because some of their answers aren't what I would have come up with. And so maybe my New Year's resolution is to be prepared to learn from people with very different perspectives than myself. Absolutely. And sometimes those different perspectives are what bring the most learning because you wouldn't have thought of it. I would not have thought of it. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, there's a lot of things I need to do different to be more efficient. <laughs> and I know that, but Will I do it? Is the question. Because <laughs> you get in a rut, right? And you get nobody in a, asks the "Will I do it?" question when they're making a resolution. It's all about no. the resolution. Yeah. Not so, the follow through. So I'll be done by what February one. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. I just say I'm just so inefficient at so many things. I need to pick one or two things and just focus on it. I guess. Yeah. So that may be the thing is, is pick, yeah, pick pick an area which which we've talked before, and I think that's a valuable method when you say i know that there's a lot of stuff i can do and we've talked to new grads that go out and practice we said there's a lot you need to learn but pick an area and then move on from there right we don't have to solve all of it today because sometimes we say we got to solve all of it we throw our hands up philip you know this is tough you know i i typically don't do new year's resolutions um if i if there's something that i think i need to do different i don't wait till january 1 to start doing something different but 
you know, so I don't know that I have anything specific. Not to say that I don't need to do anything different, but nothing is coming to mind right now. Have you thought like, about putting procrastination on your list? Because you don't procrastinate enough. And I, I, I've been noticing that. I haven't wanted to say anything. I've kind of put off saying something, but you could procrastinate more. <clears throat> well, I probably could do that. There you but, go. But I'm not sure that's going to be productive <laughs> and helpful. Yeah. Well, you never know. We'll we'll put so so you're basically you're putting off taking on procrastination. Yes, there that's you go. ironic. I'm procrastinating procrastination. Excellent. So we have enjoyed having you with us this year as well, and we hope to spend as much time with you next year. And if you have any questions, things you'd like us to talk about, you can always send us an email at bci at ksu.edu. <laughs>